PlayStation is the true embodiment of a creative entertainment company with a solid foundation of technology. Next holiday, Xbox Series X will lead us into the future of console gaming. We are incredibly excited to announce our first chip designed specifically for the Mac. Our new flagship GPU, the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080, powered by Ampere, second generation RTX architecture. Hello and welcome. This is the Techpedition Podcast. Been a while, but I'm glad to be back here with my brother, Clarence. How's it going, man? It's going good, dude. Yes, a lot to talk about. A lot has transpired. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Let's see. We've had um, the PlayStation 5 come out. We've had the Xbox Series S and X come out. We've had just yesterday the Radeon 6800, 6800 XT came out. And then um, also, I didn't think about this, the, Radi- the Ryzen 5000 series CPUs came out a couple weeks ago. And before that, <laughs> the um, GeForce RTX 3000 series came out. Yeah. So quite a few things to talk about. Yeah. Well, did you bring up the, the uh, M1 uh, ARM Mac as well? Oh, yeah, that's right. The the M1 Macs are, came out this week as well. Um, yeah. The ARM, or excuse me, the Apple Silicon Macs that all run on the Apple M1 processor, which is surprisingly powerful. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to you want to just start there? Yeah, let's start there. Reviews have been pretty good, man. Um, mostly glowing to <laughs> to surprise of, of many. From a high level view, I think the huge wins are going to be uh, battery life uh, and also performance has been surprisingly good on these. Uh, don't have a benchmark in front of me, but again, battery life. They're they're fast. And um, Rosetta is uh, Rosetta two is apparently working a lot better than anyone could have anticipated. So it seems like things are going yeah. pretty well so far. Yeah, I think there's a couple things at play here. A couple things to process. Number one, um, with these mags, we've talked about this a couple times this year, earlier this year, much earlier. There, there's quite a few things to process here. Number one, and it was the thing that I was kind of bagging on was like I felt like Apple was taking a huge risk, but the way they do things, they would be able to tailor this, not only tailor the the, the hardware to be exactly what they needed, they could also ta- tailor their software to take full advantage, their software stack to take full advantage of this CPU. They've been doing this for a while with Intel. And if you don't know about Intel and like the struggles they've had, they've really fell behind in the CPU space in the last year or so. Yeah. Just like in general, because... AMD's new CPUs that we'll talk about in a little bit, they just stomp on everything Intel has out right now. Everything. The main problem is uh, their node process because Intel makes their own CPUs. Like they manufacture their own wafers and everything. They have their own um, fabs, is it, yeah. as, they, as the cool kids call them. They're, on, they're still on 14 nanometer. They've been on 14 nanometer process for probably like six, I want to say six years now. And AMD has been using a... CPU manufacturer fab called TSMC and TSMC is um, steaming right along. They are not on 14 nanometer. They are on seven nanometer transistors. And um, it's funny because the M1, the only reason I bring that up is because Intel's on t- in 14 nanometer. These new M1 Mac ARM processors are on five nanometer. That's ridiculous, dude. <laughs> That's so, just freaking ridiculous. 
So they are they are like way past Intel, like way past, like not. So, you know, you mentioned power efficiency earlier. Uh, you know, Marcus Brownlee, MKBHD, he did a review um, and he said in he pulled his out of the box. He charged it and he didn't have to plug it in again for four days, which is pretty insane yeah, for a laptop. It really is. Yeah, and uh, and on the lineup you have um the M1 chip is in the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, and the Mac Mini. Now they do still have. I mean, this is not a clean break completely at this point. They do still have their Intel uh, machines around, and they're selling them. But over the next two years, they're slated to kind of phase those out and go completely ARM, which is kind of magnificent, and especially when you think of. Especially for me, over the last few years, you had like Windows. I think it was Windows X that came out. And, uh, you know, Microsoft has tried to do this many times. There was an ARM ver- version of the Surface <laughs> about five years ago. And it's just never been good. And you have to give Apple credit here. I mean, they've been, they've been fine tuning this for many years with the iPhone. And, you know, they just got to the point where they knew they could, um, successfully take advantage of all their learnings. Uh, R and D there with the iPhone and, and build their own chip that can perform, can outperform, um, or, or just as good and outperform in some cases, what we have on the Intel side. So it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and if you want to talk numbers, um, generally the way MacBook Pros specifically are set up, oh, there's just so much to unpack here. So, okay. Again, like you said, like you, like Clarence said, all, all these, these new M1 Mac models are running the same CPU pretty much. There's some differences. So with the MacBook Air, um, you don't get the touch bar, which I don't really like the touch bar anyway. So that's not a big deal. But you also don't get a fan in <laughs> the laptop, which wow. attempt, which is pretty amazing that they can make a laptop without a fan. Number one, but number two on the MacBook Pro, you get fan, you get fans, you get the touch bar. In all of these systems, you can have eight or sixteen gigabytes of RAM. It's pretty much universally recognized as a CPU like. What you use to see how powerful your CPU is, it's a program called Cinebench, and they just released version R23. So on the previous MacBook Air, the single-core score was 1,119. The multi-core score was 4,329. And the new M1 gets a single-core score of 1,498. That is a huge jump. Like, you got to think about what's happened here. This is not only – this is a new CPU architecture – like Intel is usually the cream of the crop, so this single core score is nuts yeah. um, for for an entry level or a lower end, lower spec MacBook. And I know what you're thinking, Carrie. You're, you're thinking to yourself, Carrie, this is this is low end. Why did why why are you guys saying this is so powerful? So their their 16 inch MacBook is usually usually ha- is the one that has the beefier processor. So on the 16 inch Intel MacBook, the 2019 one, like the newest one with a Core i9 chip, it gets a single core score of the same 1000. Well, actually, it's a little 1113, and the multi core score is 6912. So, this the lower end chip is stumping on the yeah. higher end chip here. Yeah, it's crazy. We can't really say in general these, these chips are better, you know, than the cream of the crop desktop. CPUs because number one, those desktop CPUs they suck down way much more power. They have they have um much better thermal systems than you can find on a laptop. So it's not really apt to compare those, mainly for those two reasons. But because because of the higher wattage, 
they can they can raise the clock speed. And also because of the better cooling solutions, you can raise the clock speed. Yeah. Whereas generally laptop CPUs run at a lower clock. So, I mean, this is insane. Like just comparing it to the Intel stuff, because like Apple does not put crap in their computers. Yeah. <laughs> so like th- this is like a really, really big deal. So my personal my personal thinking is I can't wait to see what kind of chip that they're going to have in the 16 inch uh, Apple Silicon replacement for the the current Intel one, yeah. which I which I heard was coming out before the end of the year. But I, I honestly, I don't expect it until sometime next year. But the the CPU that they put in that thing is going to be a monster. And, you know, they're also going to have their Mac Pro desktop where they can just go all out. Yeah. Um. So I'm really pumped. Like, I'm probably going to buy my first Mac in almost 20 years. I've used Mac Macs at, like, work. But mm-hmm. the last one that I purchased was a, was a PowerBook G... Yeah, it was a PowerBook G4 Um, when we lived at... um. Is it 13-inch? Golden, yeah, when we lived at Golden Eagle Apartments. Yeah. Um. So, and that was almost 10 years ago. It was probably, like, 18 years ago 18 17 years ago but um i'm really I've, it's been a long time since i've been excited about hardware and mac so yeah this is really awesome you know yeah. and yeah i was just gonna add that like, i'm really really tempted as well man it just seems like the things that i know that i love is like you know just throwing it in the bag taking it on a trip and not really having to worry, worry about charging it you know uh that that's what's really appealing to me um, some, I guess some caveats we have to mention on the 13 inch or the, the, the MacBook Pro, there, there's only two USB ports. Yeah. Normally their smaller laptops don't have live port. Normally they have Thunderbolt and that's like it, um, normally, but yeah, just the two USB C now, which is, yeah. you know, I, I guess it's give or take. Another thing, you know, this being ARM, you, you are able to run, um, iPhone apps, but mm-hmm. the thing is with the iPhone and iPad apps, uh, is that, the, the 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 developers have to give permission to put those apps on on the Mac at this point, and some of the bigger players, Google, Spotify, <laughs> are saying no, which is kind of weird. So I still yeah. think there's some hurdles to get over. Uh, put getting those agreements in place, it could be just that the those companies want to better optimize their apps for this platform, and also there's a lack of the ch- touch screen there. So there are some things to get around once you talk about integrating some of the iOS stuff uh, over into this platform. But hey, I I think it's looking up from here. Yeah, one more thing I want to touch on before we move on. You mentioned uh, Rosetta earlier, so I was I was using Macs when. They went from PowerPC to Intel, which was about 15, 16 years ago, somewhere in there. They when they left PowerPC, um, they had Rosetta One and it was awful. It mm-hmm. was awful. It was so bad. Like it was not even worth using. But with Rosetta Two, I mean, they've done some good work because some app I've seen some apps run better. Um, so like Cinebench, the the Intel version of Cinebench. You can actually you you get a slightly higher score on the ARM on the M1 than you do on the Intel on the on the same model Mac, which is kind of crazy to me. It, you know, it's running through a translation layer or whatever, and it's still just as fast. And then, from what I understand, the native apps just scream. So yeah, very excited. Like I'm especially for like productivity. This is probably going to bring productivity back to the Mac because I mean, in the aughts. If you were doing music recording or you were doing video editing, you were, you if you were serious about it, you probably had a Mac. So 
good good time to be a Mac person. Yeah, yeah. And before we move on real quick, what's odd to me, you mentioned Rosetta 2 as well uh, again. It was odd to me is that, you know, we talked about Microsoft trying to do something similar with their Windows X and, you know, they've done it before with Surface, trying to run these apps natively. Well, not in some form on that are um, X64 apps or X32 apps over on an ARM based chip. It's kind of amazing to me that Apple is able to do this so gracefully when I think of the work that Microsoft has really done with the Xbox to port their games, uh, their older games seamlessly across different newer platforms. It's really amazing to me that they are ha- they have trouble when it comes to doing this on Windows. Now, granted, on the Xbox is a uh, much uh, more confined system of what the game is on a, a previous platform, but yeah. still, you think they would be apt to be able to get these, to build some type of layer to get these things to, to port over? Well, I think you have two things at play there. You mentioned Xbox. I feel like Xbox is very sim- similar to Apple in the sense that both of those are closed systems yeah. where they have very strongly defined APIs that you use. So like, even though like Xbox 360 was a power PC processor. It was still using the DirectX API. And yeah, the same, true, same, true. same with these. Um, even though they're um, even though they were on X86, they were still using Swift. You know, for yes. their um, for their uh, like all yeah, the Swift APIs and Liquid and, and yeah, yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. So in that sense, it 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 makes a little more sense to me. Because the weird thing about like previously with the Mac is like not only were they transitioning from, you know, architectures, they were that was also the same time they were going from OS 9 to OS 10, which was like a complete rewrite of the operating system, like completely. Yeah. So you not only had like the 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 PowerPC to Intel translation going on, you also had X11, which was trans translating OS nine applications to OS ten, so like there was nothing really solidified. Um, as far as Windows goes, though, like you know, that's the Wild West. Yeah, um, certainly. There's man. just there's just so much to account for on Windows that I can I can kind of see why they're having so much difficulty. If everything was like like .NET, you know, and but yeah, you know, it, it would be know, quite easy in that case. It yeah. would be a whole lot easier for them yeah. if everything was written in .NET. But you just have so many different languages and APIs and frameworks that you have to account for that it just makes things a lot more difficult. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. Um, all right, so that was a good Mac discussion. Yeah, the Mac is back, baby. <laughs> Speaking of closed systems, I guess we should move on to the consoles, um, which were released. What was it? Was that last week? The consoles last, released? last week. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the one that you got a bit. Well, you got the controller early, at least. Yeah, I got the controller like a week and a half early. Um, Of course, we're talking about PlayStation 5. Uh, if you check out our YouTube, I did do an unboxing of the controller. I didn't do an unboxing of the console for two reasons. Number one, there was a gazillion unboxing videos on YouTube already, and I was ready to get it um hooked up to play. <laughs> so... I did not do an unboxing video, but, but you did. You did do your customary uh, Nintendo Nintendo sixty four kid pose and picture. <laughs> yeah, dude, that box was humongous. Like, <laughs> it's a big boy. Like that console, it's 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 big, and it looks like a giant router or something. <laughs> like it does not look like a video game console Spaceship, at all. Spaceship man, 
you know, me, myself, I was like, I wish they would have went with something more traditional. But my wife saw it and she was like, oh, wow, that looks so cool and futuristic. So uh, I guess I guess the, <laughs> I guess the marketing people, the the focus groups were correct because. But you know what? I think they were thinking three steps ahead because I, I've already been seeing pictures of people um, customizing those side panels yeah. and it looks freaking cool. Yeah, I saw one guy. He had dipped the, the white side panels in red. Yeah. And then had like a white Spider-Man logo on the side, and it looked really, really sleek. Yeah. Uh, so, so expect them to sell those, you know, for probably like a hundred dollars a piece on down the line here. Oh, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Those panels are actually really easy to remove too. So, if I'm feeling froggy one weekend, I may try to do something myself. Probably not though. So, what are your high-level pros and cons? Well, it's it's so cool that um. The consoles are running on x86 hardware now. You know, it used to be where consoles, they were custom designing chips. And, you know, they may or may not have been backwards compatible. Like, the the, the main chips weren't really compatible even with the past PlayStations, even though they kept up the emulation. I know from PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2, the reason that they were able to emulate the PlayStation 1 so easily was not because they were on like some kind of same API or anything. The PlayStation 1 chipset was actually the I.O. chipset of the PlayStation 2. So the hardware was inside of the <laughs> yeah. box. So it was a lot easier. If you remember PlayStation 3, um, I believe they tried to do something similar with the first batch of consoles that came out. But they were like, it was like $600 the PlayStation 3 was when it came out. And yeah. Um, to cut cost, if you remember, like the newer the newer releases, of the PlayStation Three did not have emulation in them. Yeah, I think so they took I, Linux out as well. They did they cut they had yeah. a lot in that thing at first, a lot. Yeah, yeah, you could load Linux. You're right, I forgot about that. You could load Linux on your console, and they yanked all that stuff out to try to cut cost. Um, but the new consoles are all running at x86. So I believe with the PlayStation 5, the um, development API is similar to PlayStation 4. I don't know if it's exactly the same thing, but um, it must be similar enough that you can I can download. Actually, what I did was most of my PlayStation 4 games were downloads. So Uh the first thing I did was when I hooked it up, I got an Ethernet cable and I plugged my PS5 into the same um, switch that my PS4 was plugged into. And it pulled all my stuff over to the PS4, all oh, my wow. game saves, all my games. Um, nice. Just, just pulled it all over. So that wasn't a problem. Um, I don't have any disc PlayStation 5 games. So I did keep my discs for PlayStation 4. Um, I'm actually going to keep my PlayStation 4 as well. I'm, I'm going to give it to Sophie, but uh, my daughter. But um, I, that's one reason I got the disc version is because I do have like one, two, three. I've got six disc PlayStation 4 games that I just bought because they were way cheaper than buying a digital versions, which mm-hmm. still blows my mind. Um, so like Kingdom Hearts 3 is still like it will at the time that I bought it, it was like it was still 60 bucks on PlayStation on the PSN, but GameStop was selling it for 20 bucks. So I bought it from GameStop. Oh, wow. um, there's a couple games. I have Spider-Man on disc because it came with my PlayStation 4. I got the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man bundle. It's not the cool pro one. It was a mini or a, I guess mini is what they call it. Um, but it is it it came with it. So I have that. And I also have Horizon Zero Dawn and Uncharted Collection, which I, I still have not opened yet. Two great <laughs> games. But I, I do plan on playing those. And the cool thing about playing PlayStation 4 games on PlayStation 5 is you can do the same thing you could do with the PS4. 
I mean the PS4 Pro, where you can put it in performance mode, and if it can like enhance like the frame rates and the resolutions and stuff, it'll do the same thing on the PlayStation Five. So. <laughs> Well, that that starts at some of the questions I have with both of these consoles in general. Of course, with both of them, I think we're getting at a, at a minimum. What? Well, well, I guess on both versions of the PlayStation and on the upper version of the Xbox, you're getting like 4K HDR and 120 frames per second of as like a baseline capability. But, um, yeah, capability. I don't think every game runs in that, but it you get ray tracing as well. Well, um, that's in some games. Yeah, ray tracing as well. And that's the thing for me, um, ray tracing, faster loading because of the hard drives. But the thing for me is these, most of these games have different modes to run in. So I know, mm-hmm. especially I've heard a lot of people talk about with the, with the, um, Spider-Man, the new Sp- Miles Morales Spider-Man game that you have to make a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want it fast and smooth or a little less? Uh, frame rates, but ray tracing. So is that just kind of cut off we're going to make on these consoles going forward? Yeah, it's just, I mean, the main thing is, and we'll talk about this with, it's funny how these con- conversations lead into each other. We'll talk about the ray tracing more, I guess, with the uh, the the Radeon release, but this is AMD's first, like, oh yeah, that's the other thing. All these consoles, the PlayStation 5, the Xbox, there are some differences, and I don't want anybody like try to beat me up over this. There are some differences but for all intents and purposes, they are pretty much running the same hardware. There's mm-hmm. a few quirks, like the PlayStation I.O. system is a little different than the Xboxes. And, you know, on the Xbox, you have DX12 Ultimate, so you can unlock, like, the full capability. And, like, they even talk about this. Microsoft brags about it. Because it's running DirectX, like, they can unlock the full capability of the chipset. And I think the Xbox chipset might be a little higher spec. It's not much. They both have 16 gigs of RAM. It's funny. My console has more VRAM than my computer does right now because <laughs> my I have a 3080 and it's got it's got 10 gigabytes of RAM on the GPU. So that's a first, and it's kind of weird, but they're really really similar. So yeah, that's I, I I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. That <sighs> it's funny. You could probably firmware hack this PlayStation Five and run Xbox games on it. Like if somebody <laughs> could figure out how to unlock the bootloader hmm. you could probably load the xbox os on it like that's how similar they are uh, that's crazy but- uh some of the things i mentioned the fast loading but some more things that have been touted uh on the playstation side is their new ui as well as uh and you've even mentioned this before the the new controller and how uh the haptic feedback and vibration works on it uh so key do you have any thoughts on that oh yeah so um hdr is amazing um I, I know I talked to you about the new um, monitor. I say monitor, but basically sold all my monitors and I bought a 55. It's a LG CX55. It's a 4K OLED HDR 120 hertz G-Sync television, mm. um, but it's HDMI 2.1. So I'm pretty much using it as a monitor. Well, I am using it as a monitor, but I also have my PlayStation hooked up to it. Um, So you get the full HDR experience and HDR is cool. But it can be annoying in some games because the darks are like really dark. So, I mean, that's kind of the point. But it, if you're playing a dark game, sometimes it can be hard to see it. But um, I really like HDR. As far as the haptic feedback thing, uh, there's a game called Astro's Playroom, which is a phenomenal platformer. I can't recommend high enough, highly enough. If you do get a PlayStation 5, if you manage to get your hands on one, Download Astro's Playroom. It's free for you. I think it actually comes installed on the console. And you will you will spend hours on that game. It's basically just a love letter to the history of PlayStation. 
Um, but it's a platformer, you know, in the vein of like Super Mario uh, World, not World, like Super Mario 64 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get it, it makes full use of the controller. So with the haptic feedback, um, you can, the, the easiest way to, for me to explain it would be like, um, there's, a, there's a section where your character is holding like a gotcha, a gotcha, a gotcha ball, you know, like, um, if you don't know what gotcha is, it's basically, you know, when you were a kid and you had those vending machines where you put a quarter in it and then a little ball comes out that has a random toy in it. Yeah. Um, like that's huge in Japan. So basically there's a part of the game where there's a gotcha machine where you can get different, like, um, not achievements, but you get different like uh, figurines and like stuff that you can kind of store on the wall in the game. And basically, to open the gotcha ball, you have to like squeeze it and break it. So your 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 character is holding a ball on his hand in the screen on the screen. And if you tap, you know, when you normally tap a trigger, it just kind of mushes down. Yeah. So when when he's holding this ball for you to break, when you press the trigger, you probably get like probably get like i'd say one third of the way down and then there's just like resistance so you have to actually when you pull the trigger the rest of the way you actually have to pull pull it harder and it you know you get like some you know well you get haptic feedback so you actually it actually feels like you're breaking the gotcha ball that's crazy just because the the controller offer it offers resistance against you pulling the trigger and i know that may that may sound like it's not that big a deal but when it's implemented correctly it's it's really cool yeah that's the thing i've been hearing too as well is like not everybody has been doing a great job of implementing it yeah um so i mean like basically the the dual sense controller it's basically a uh a showcase for that um and you get to use all the functionalities of the controller um, there's a microphone on it. Um, and That's you cool. know, it's got, it's got like the, I, I can't think of it. I guess it's got an accelerometer in it. So, you know, when you tilt it, you know, it can sense tilt and, um, you know, you still have the same touchpad that you had on the other, pl- the PlayStation DualShock 4. Um, but all in all, it ju- it's just a really great feel of controller. It's a little bigger because, um, you know, I, I have bigger hands, so it feels better in my hand than the DualShock 4 did. Overall, I'm really happy with the controller. Uh and I actually have a I have one just for my PC. I have another one just for my PC that has replaced my PS4 Rocket League controller that I use <laughs> on my PS, on my PC. So um it was kind of a I had to actually go manually set it up into Steam because it wouldn't automatically detect like all the buttons, but that's just a minor inconvenience. Yeah. And before we just pivot to talk about Xbox really briefly, because I don't think it's a whole lot to talk on that side. Uh it, any uh what what is the game to get for the ps5 because i'm gonna say right now for xbox i don't know if there is anything that's exclusive yeah them delaying halo kind of killed the hype i feel like for the xbox but as far as killer apps this game is also on the xbox assassin's creed valhalla is excellent go on youtube check out some videos of it um, it's beautiful, really, really solid. But you know, obviously, Spider-Man Miles Morales. If you're a Spider-Man fan, yeah. like I didn't, I didn't actually play all the way through the first Spider-Man. But I bought the special edition of this one, so you get like the remastered version of the first Spider-Man game that Insomniac made. Um, and it actually has like ray tracing and stuff in it. So I'm really excited to get back to that. But um, I'm really enjoying Miles Morales, man. You get to use like I'm trying to think of the best way to. 
it, it's got a different feel to it than the other Spider-Man game had for obvious reasons. I mean, you're not in, you know, you're, you're, you're not in Manhattan. You're in, I believe it's in, is it in Harlem? Is that where it is? It's, it's not in the, or maybe you're in the Bronx. I can't even remember exactly where it is. Brooklyn. That's where it is. Is You're not in like Manhattan where, you know, regular Spidey normally is. So, um, it's a really interesting take, but one thing I will say about the PlayStation five is, my last thing that I'll say about it actually is it is, you know, it also it also has a 4K Blu-ray player. Um, so I'm really looking forward to exploring that as well. I guess I guess I'll just leave it there. I could ramble forever. Awesome. And just real quick, I'll just mention some things about the uh some the the two SKUs for the Xbox S in series, which is the S and X. Uh, the, the S, which is the little brother, I guess is limited to 60 frames per second. And I think 1440 resolution, 1440p resolution max rather than 4k. And it doesn't have a disk drive. So that's the main differences. And really on the Microsoft side, they're pretty much just banking on everybody just paying. What is it? 15 bucks a month getting, getting game pass and yeah, game pass, yo. <laughs> and just, you know, play all the games, you know, they have available. You have EA games on there as well now. So, I mean, you have a huge library of games to play. Cool. Yeah. The EA stuff, I downloaded a few of them. Haven't popped them open yet, but, but yeah, I might jump on some Madden, uh, quite frankly. So yeah. So, you know, Game Pass is just kind of, it's, it just keeps evolving. I think they even added like a free month of Disney Plus to it. Yeah, they so, did. I saw that. So yeah, that's kind of what they're banking on. Uh, honestly, I agree a hundred percent with you. Uh, not, they don't really have that marquee title to make it a flashy launch. So it kind of subdued, subdued what they were doing over there. So it's really surprising that uh, they weren't able to get one of their big titles to go along with the launch of that. It kind of, kind of, you know, subdues their launch just a little bit. I feel. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, everything's selling like gangbusters right now. Yeah. So, well, that's it. It I doesn't think, even matter. <laughs> I think everything we're talking about the night, you can't buy it right now. Yeah. One thing I will say about the PS5 is that, or uh, and the Xbox is that Walmart seems like every day or every couple oh. of days they have drops at set times, every, like three or four times every day, where you can try your luck, you know, try your luck to spend five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like they 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 are doing some things to kind of get consoles out. I will say the consoles are coming out. I feel like it a lot at a quicker pace than the GPUs that we're going to talk about. Cause the GPU launches have been dreadful. I mean, if you, if you pay attention, you know, and you know, check your sites regularly, I feel like sooner or later you'll be able to get one. I got extremely lucky with my PS five because one of my friends had basically figured out a way to add the PlayStation five to your cart and pre-order it before like the time for it to come before before it turned midnight on the day that the pre-orders open like i already had i already had my pre-order like 30 minutes before midnight because somebody had figured out some kind of link or i don't i don't know what they did to figure that out but i was like i did it just kind of to laugh because i was like it's going to get canceled anyway but they sent that you hacker kids you (laughs) so i mean don't tell don't tell amazon (laughs) that but yeah Uh, so (laughs) no Yeah. So you want to talk about some GPUs? Yeah, that's let me hear. I, I need to hear about the these awesome GPUs that have been, I guess, the 3080s or the 30 series is out, but I don't know about the Radeon. So uh, take it away, sir. 
September 17th is when the GTX, or I'm sorry, the NVIDIA RTX 3080 Ti and 3080, 30, that's the 3080, not the Ti. That's not out yet, at least not for another couple months. So the 3080 and the 3090 came out on the 17th. Actually, I think the 30, uh, okay, so the 3080 came out on September 17th. 3090 came out on September 24th, a week later. Both GPUs instantly sold out. Um, wow. The 3080 is $699 uh, for the FE, which is the Founders Edition, just like NVIDIA's version of the GPU. 3090 is $1499. Wow. Um, so a couple things about this. Number one, the 3080 is a huge improvement over the 2080 Ti, especially when it comes to ray tracing. 4K, much better performance, like much better performance. Like they were saying it was going to be like a 50% more efficient card. It's not quite 50%. I would say it's anywhere between 20 to 40% better frames, which is huge for one for one generation of graphics cards. That's humongous. Yeah. 3090, it's going to be the performance king but you're paying the thing about the 3090 is you're paying you're going to pay f- for that crown because it costs twice as much just about or it does cost twice as well a little over twice as much it's $800 more and you get probably 10% more performance so like it's totally not worth $1500 they should have priced it at 1000 I mean, a thousand is still kind of iffy, but that to me, I would be able to swallow a thousand. But fifteen hundred—that's just, yeah. just nope, nope. That's and the thing about the thirty eighty is the custom versions of the thirty eighty. Um, one of my friends he bought one that was eighteen hundred dollars because the the custom versions are supposed to be better performant because they're 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 more efficient. I know EVGA in particular, they used to bend their chips. So they would take all the chips they got from NVIDIA and they would um, sort them out by how well they performed. And then um, they would take the highest performing chips and they would put them in their SKU called the 3090 for the win three uh, mm-hmm. ultra, which is like their top tier GPU um, class in the different models. But they didn't do the bending this time. They've done some teardowns of the, the, um, the actual GPUs and some of the components they use are the same as the FE. So you're basically play, paying for a fa- flashy cooler this time around. But the thing about EVGA is you don't really buy EVGA for performance. You buy them for their support. The cool thing about EVGA is they have a step-up program. So if you buy a GPU from EVGA, if something better comes out in 90 days, you can send yours back and pay the difference and they'll send you the new card. That's pretty sweet. Their RMA process is also second to none. Um, I think it's like 50 bucks you can pay for their premium support where if your GPU breaks or something, they do an authorization on your credit card and they send you a new card. And then once you send your when you send the old one back, they remove the authorization. So it's like an instant replacement, basically. Um, they do some really cool stuff that the other vendors don't do. The thing about the 3090 that disappointed me was just the lack of a significant increase over the 3080. And that's one reason, like, NVIDIA, when they marketed this card, they marketed it as an 8K card, which is utterly ridiculous. <laughs> they called it the BFGPU. Um, they touted 8K game, and they had all the the, the cool streamer streamer boys on, like, the, this promo video where they were playing it in 8K. And it strictly uses something called DLSS, which is Deep Learning Super Sampling. Basically, what you can do with an RTX card, this even works with 2080 Ti's, because I had to use it to get playable frame rates in the Minecraft, Minecraft ray trace version, which is amazing if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Look up some, check out some videos of it. But anyway, 
what it does is it takes a lower lower quality image and it runs it through machine learning and it'll give you like a a 4K or 8K pristine image. Um, mm. and it does this for the game. So basically, your your GPU renders at a lower resolution. It runs it through this super sampling deep learning thing, and then it spits out a 4K image. And the reason you want to do that is because running these games native, like with native native rasterization, the frame rates still aren't that great on most of them. So if you have a high refresh monitor, you can turn on DLSS DLSS and get those high frame rates again. So it's doing all that locally, that DLS. Well, basically, it's got a machine. It's got a machine learning model that it like NVIDIA's supercomputers crunch this model. And basically, you can load the machine learning model on your GPU and it can use the tensor cores on your GPU to like execute the model. And basically, gotcha. yeah, it takes that lower, lower quality image. And with all the learning information that it's gotten from the supercomputer out of the cloud or wherever it is, it can actually perform the upscaling on your GPU. So, yeah. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that's the huge thing. Like, this is what it boils down to. So, NVIDIA, like, AMD's cards came out yesterday. So, the 3080 is 699 The 6800 XT, which is the 3080 rival, it is 649 So, it's $50 cheaper. And here's the thing about it. Like, I'm just going to make this as plain as I can. Rasterization, 1440p, they trade blows. 1080p, I believe the 6800 XT has an edge. 4K, the 3800 has a slight edge. Really? So, honestly, these cards are neck and neck, which is insane because AMD hasn't has a hasn't had a competitive higher-end GPU in quite a few years. Like, we're, we're, we're going way back to, like, like the 39 or the, the, what is it? What was it? The 7970, which was like 2011. Like it's been, it's been a really long time since they've had a competitive higher end GPU, maybe like 2012, somewhere in there. Um, so just the fact that on rasterization, they are neck and neck with NVIDIA is amazing. Um, AMD has a 6900 XT coming out on December 8th, which is supposed to rival the 3090 again in rasterization. This is AMD's first go around at ray tracing. So their ray tracing performance just isn't as good as Nvidia's. It's just not. I mean, there's no really way to sugarcoat it. It's about it's about on the level of the 2080 Ti, and that in it in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing because you know, like I said, Nvidia's isn't as good as it could be, which is why you would want to use DLSS. Um, but AMD doesn't have an equivalent to DLSS, so. Um, so you, you're not like once you turn DLSS on, you can't use it for every game. There's probably like 15 games that use it, but they're big <laughs> games. So like Cyberpunk 2077, you'll be able to use ray tracing and DLSS. Um, the new Call of Duty Black Ops uh, Cold War just came out. You can use DLSS on that. Um, so some newer newer games, newer high profile games that are going to be coming out, um, they'll probably come with the DLSS baked into it. So you can just turn it on. Um, That's sweet. And in those, in those instances, you'll be able to turn on your ray tracing and turn on DLSS and get good frame rates. Whereas if you turn on ray tracing on the AMD card, you're not going to get good frames. They did a comparison between Minecraft. Forget about DLSS for a second. They did a comparison between Minecraft ray tracing and on the AMD card and ray tracing on the NVIDIA card. 
um, without any of the super sampling turned on. So this is all raw performance. I think the AMD car got like 11 frames a second and the 3080 got like 35 or something or something like that. 35, 40. It was quite a bit more. And then once you turn on DLSS, like the 30, the 3080 was up in the, like the 90 frame per second range. Um, just to kind of give you a quick rundown of like the difference it can make. Um, it really can put you up into that higher frame rate refresh tier. So if you don't care about ray tracing and most people don't, I'll be honest with you, I barely care about it. Like, but if you, if you don't care about ray tracing, the AMD cards are a good alternative, you know, cause their rasterization, just pure performance is on par with the, the Nvidia cards. But if you care about maybe 4k or maybe like um, ray tracing, then I just at this point next year is going to be a different story. But right now, if you if you're wanting to ray trace, I would not recommend to get the AMD card. Even though I'm really happy that they're competitive again, their ray tracing performance just isn't there yet. With, with all of that ray tracing talk in mind, it, do do you think we talk about the PS5 and the the Series Xbox console? Do you think that is a good option? or entry level opportunity. Cause I know there's another side of this that we haven't really talked about. And even just looking up that TV that you just suggested scared me. So Wait, <laughs> what oh. about the monitor end of this? If you want the, of course you can get the 4k and get the HDR right now with most TVs that you get by walking into Walmart, but the high frame rate, uh, HDMI 2.1, how easy or what is the price range you're going to be looking into to try to get something um, that 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 can run these these new specs that are on these consoles. If you want a television, you're probably going to be spending around a thousand dollars at least. And the reason I say that is because, I mean, if you just want 4K, then you can find you can find a reasonable reasonably priced 4K TV for probably a couple hundred dollars. But if you want high high refresh, that kind of throws a wrench into that because. High refresh, well, let me rephrase that. Native high refresh on televisions is just kind of a newer thing. And I know what you're thinking. He's like, Carrie, I, I had a 120 hertz television <laughs> 10 years ago. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? And you did. But the thing is, it wasn't native 120 hertz. What your TV did was it took a 60 hertz signal from a source and it basically interpolated those 120, you know, frames. So the the TV basically, I mean, for lack of a better way to explain it, the TV basically drew the frames in between <laughs> that the, that it wasn't getting from the signal. Um, and the problem with that is it introduces input lag, which is fine for watching a movie. But if you're playing a game, like I remember playing Guitar Hero on some of those older 120 years TVs, and it was just kind of unplayable. You had to turn you had to turn off that whatever you call it, smooth motion or whatever, something different for every TV. But yeah. if you're going to play any kind of gaming, you have to take, you have to turn that off anyway. So to get a native 120 Hertz signal inputted to a TV, you also need HDMI 2.1 in 4k. At least you need, you need HDMI 2.1 because if you try to spit a 4k 120 Hertz signal over a regular HDMI cable, you'll get flickering because there's not enough bandwidth in the cable to handle all the information. So yeah. That's the uh, that's the other stickler to this is even if you have a 120 hertz TV, if it's not HDMI 2.1 compatible, 
or if you don't have a display port on there, which doesn't matter for consoles because the console don't have a display port. Like you could use it with your computer, but you wouldn't be able to use it with a console because the consoles all have HDMI. So you have a couple things going against you. Yeah. The the main one is the HDMI 2.1. And, you know, as far as 4K HDR, you can find a reasonable 4K HDR TV. So if you don't care about high refresh and you just want to see the pretties, then you would be good to go with something less expensive. But it's just like you can probably get one or two of these things in a cheaper TV. But if you want if you want if you want them all, you're going to have to um, it's going to be more expensive. And the other thing about high refresh televisions is, especially with consoles, it's, it's very important because you're not going to get a consistent 120 hertz like output from your graphics processor on your console. There's going to be some fluctuations in the frame rate. And when you're dealing with high frame rates and fluctuations, you get tearing, which is basically yeah. if you've ever played a game and you, you the frames are so choppy that you see just like half the frame drawn. Like in the top screen is half of the screen is one frame and the bottom half is another frame. And there's a line in the middle of your screen. That's what tearing is. Yeah. Um, so if you want something like a adapt, adaptive sync that will basically only output on your screen what's being dumped out from the console. So it'll basically adjust the refresh rate of your screen to whatever the frame buffer on the console looks like instead of, you know, what a TV normally does where it runs at 60 hertz. And it's running. It's like, I'm just playing 60 hertz. And if you throw me a frame, I'll put it on there. If not, you know, I'll, you know, it, it's it's kind of a different, You, it's not as quite as smooth. Um, yeah. So in that even that kind of, you know, that adds another cost. But the cool thing is most HDMI 2.1 TVs are coming with some form of adaptive sync on them. So that one's not really an extra cost, but... It can get expensive real quick. Yeah, it, it's, it's. I don't even want to say how much I paid for my television, <laughs> but I, I don't regret it because it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it, it's 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 crazy to me that we're at the point now to where I don't think, it, at least in my memory, I can't think of a time where really gaming really pushed the TV market. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, it was three D was going to be the next big thing. Remember? So yeah. Like, and three D kind of flopped, and that kind of left television manufacturers in a pickle there's like what do we need to you know how are we gonna get people to buy new televisions so oled was one thing yep um because i mean i've never seen an oled screen this big the last the first oled screen i had was a cell phone screen um but you get those really really deep blacks with it and yeah. you get the bright brights um it's really cool so there's that and yeah, for HDR know, and Dolby Vision, definitely. Yeah, it's good for HDR. Like you just have you just have a co- convergence of like all these different things, and like console, like gaming is the next frontier for to selling television. Yeah, because you know three D, there's no three D. I mean, you have four K, you know, four K um Ultra HD, but you know, with that, you know, you can find more reasonable four K TVs now. I yeah. think the one I the last one I bought before this one, it was like. Maybe a couple. It was like a couple yeah, hundred bucks. Yeah, they're bucks. cheap. Isn't that expensive? Yeah. I mean, it's um, so crazy that right now, 4K, uh, 60 frames, it, that, that's going to do everybody. 98% of people, that's going to be all they need. And that's fairly yeah. cheap. But I yeah. just find it fascinating how the gaming gaming is managing to to push monitors and, and computer uh, televisions into yeah. a different stratosphere. And you're seeing people like me who normally PC game using these televisions for monitors because it, like right now, right now, right this second, you, I can't tell you how difficult it is to find a 27 inch 4k 
high refreshed adaptive sync monitor. It's there. There are not that many of them. I can probably count them on one hand. Oh, with HDR. Let me let me throw that in there too. And the cheapest one you can buy right now for a twenty-seven inch is like eight hundred bucks. And my my thinking was instead of spending that much for a monitor, why don't I just spend some more and get like this huge television that does everything that I wanted to do, and I can use it to watch movies and I can use it to play on my consoles instead of just buying a smaller screen. At least that was my thinking. It's like. It just didn't seem it didn't make sense to me to buy the smaller screen. No, you know, if the bigger one had all the features I needed and I would need multiple monitors because I can use something like Display Fusion where I can I can set my windows in certain places. So like right now I have a a, a Chrome or not Chrome. It's Edge, Chromium Edge. I have one on the right side of my screen. I have one on the left side of my screen and I actually have my Skype window and stuff in the middle just kind of floating over it. Um, but you can save like your different window formats and I mean, you can use it just like a multi-monitor setup, you know, instead of just having one thing on the big screen, you, that's not really how you do it. You, you split your screen up into different sections. So, you know, you can maximize your real estate. Yeah, man. I may do a guide on that and how it works, but it's really cool. The kind of stuff you can do with something like display fusion. I'm sure there's some other window managers, but the thing I like, like about display fusion is like I said, you can save where your windows are. So like when I get ready for work, I click my work profile and then I can have in my top right, top left hand corner, I can have outlook in my bottom left hand corner. I can have, um, I can have uh, slack. And then on the right side, I can have my web browser or if, and if I want to watch a movie or something, I can have that in the bottom right-hand corner. So I, I can, you know, it's like having multi-monitors, except you don't, you know, you don't have all the the um, bezels. For sure, man. So, man, anything else you want to hit before we uh, kind of wrap this up, get some parting gifts and get uh, Sorry for rambling so no, much. No, you're like, not rambling, just, man. I'm excited you just because, like, it, this is such a good time to be a gamer if you could actually find the stuff. Like that was the only that's the only knock I have about these these launches. You know, we have COVID going on, you know, travel's restricted, there's shortages everywhere, and people and, and not just that, you have since all these people are sitting at home, you have this unprecedented demand for <laughs> things for people to entertain themselves at home. So yeah. like right now it's really hard to find the newer GPUs. I remember this past summer, um I oh, it was probably like Mayish. I, I, I did some upgrades to my computer and like it took me forever to find parts. It was it was the exact same situation as now, except there weren't any new releases. So like you can imagine now that there's new stuff out that's amazing. Um, Everybody's trying to buy it. Yeah, man. Everything is in freaking demand right now. Yeah, there's a while you can buy you can find a webcam like you still can't find. Certain, <laughs> you still can't find certain ones. Um, I think some of the knockoff people have stepped it up and released, you know, competent versions of capture cards and webcams like the webcam. I, I mean, the capture card I have right now for my camera is it's just some generic. It's this USB 3.0 HDMI video capture 4K Ultra HD. Like that's all it said. It doesn't even have a brand name on it. I bought it from Amazon for like 30 bucks, I think 30 or 40 bucks. Whereas the Elgato version of this is like 100. So, yeah. Slim Pickens. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Any any pardon gift you want to give uh, before we roll out here? I'll go first. Um, I, I, I want to suggest people, if you have HBO Max, to check out the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion. Oh, I watched that today after work. Yeah. yeah so good. So good. 
all the feels, man. man. All the feels. <laughs> Literally, no pun intended. Like that part really had me choked up, man. Yeah. When, it, when they were talking about James Avery, like yeah. James Avery, man. And then he, then he got the old Aunt Vib on there. Yeah, I didn't realize the backstory behind that, man. That really surprised me. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know it was Will that was kind of the reason. Yeah, there was so part much of the problem. reason. Yeah, she got um, she got uh, when she left, like he got on the radio and was like. She wanted the show to be called the the Aunt Viv of Bel Air, so he did something oh, like that. Like wow. he was just he was just dogging her, man. Yeah, she got ostracized in Hol- in Hollywood. Uh, uh, she made a good point. And once you say a, a black woman is difficult to work with, you know we're in uh, short supply in Hollywood already. And yeah, yeah, that's that was sad they, to see. Actually, they get her dirty. And I don't know if you noticed this, but like. Uh, Alfonso Ribeiro, like a couple years ago. Well, I say a couple years ago. It was probably like 2011. He was in his interview or he was doing stand up or something and called her a crazy bee. Like, if you, <laughs> if you notice, like, if you notice, like, you kind of have to, they, they do some, like, some voodoo with the editing when she walks in there with everybody. Uh-huh. But if you notice, when she walks in the room with everybody else, he's not in the room. Like, he's not even in there. Really? I did they not never, notice they, that. Like, go back and look. They, he's never in the shot. Uh, they wow. don't they don't show him hugging her and he isn't in the shot. So I'm assuming they shot that after everybody else like like they finished the other part and then they edited like the last part to act like he I guess to make it seem like he was still there. But like even if you look at the picture like on the HBO Max of the picture with them all standing there together. Yeah. Like I'm 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 doing tenfold hat here. Digitally. But, <laughs> so like if you look at the picture, they photoshopped him into the picture. Oh wow. Because the picture with with um with both of the Anvibs hugging and everybody because if you look there's an easy way to tell that he was photoshopped in there. If you look at the lighting, like the light on everybody else is on the right side of their head or on their right on our left. So if you on the le- our left, the lighting is on everybody's everybody's right side. But if you look at him, the lighting is on his right side. I yeah, mean, he, yeah, he does light- look digitally placed in there, kind of unless the light is like right on his forehead. He looks fake, but like even look at look at Jazz, look at Jazz and Karen Parsons. Like their their light is on the right side of their head. Um, everybody except for him. Yeah, I mean, and to his defense, I mean, they do say uh, she was going. She was. She was know what was happening. Yeah, she was going through a lot of stuff. She probably was crazy, acting crazy during that time. She was talking mess too about them. So it's not like it's not like that. That she's completely innocent. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, even in the midst of the of being fired or or leaving the show, they said she was acting weird because some weird things are going on in her life at the time. And yeah, she wanted she wanted all of them to do like they did on Friends, where everybody held out and was like, "We want more money," and then all the Friends people got a million dollars episode or something. Like she wanted to do that same thing to get more money, but Will was like, "I ain't doing that." <laughs> <laughs> they didn't talk about that part, but yeah, there's a bunch of like stuff you can read about like what happened, but yeah. they said more on that than, you know, I'd ever read. So it was really good. It was really good. I'm glad they made up. Yeah, man. Do you have any part in Gibbs, man? Um, yes. So I bought the, uh, well to, you know, kind of check out some 4k stuff. I bought the 4k version of ghost in the shell. There's mm-hmm. like they did a re they did a reprint of it in 4K 
Um, if you like that movie, if you haven't seen it, it's it's a really cool kind of psychological thriller type uh, movie. Scarlett Johansson in 4K. No, oh. no, not that one. No, <laughs> no I'm not just that messing garbage. With, I'm messing with. Hey, that movie was not that bad. Not man. that trash. It wasn't that bad, dude. I'm talking about the original one, the real, <sighs> the Mamoru Oshii one. It's like not that, that bad. Production IG, not production. Avengers or whatever. Yeah, the fir- that first one feels a lot like The Matrix. Well, The Matrix it, copied it, but yeah, it's it, fantastic. It just makes me laugh so hard seeing seeing the the Scarlett Johansson version because they have her like with this suit, like this bear suit on. I don't know what it, what it is, but it's I like, liked it, man. Clothes on, but like in the movie, like in the anime movie, like she's really like naked, and then they have her with like this. It, I just thought it, it looked so funny and cheesy. Not that I expected her to walk around like naked or like. I will defend ScarJo to my dying breath. It was that stealth suit <laughs> thing that she had, like yeah, like in it, like just that, just that scene alone. One thing I will give her, it was better than that Aeon Flux movie that um Charlize Theron did. It was like way better than that. But <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm really touchy about live action people trying to live action. <laughs> Made stuff. It's just why that one. I mean, that one kind of made sense, though. If I have to be completely honest, yeah, I'm I'm really scared about like the Cowboy Bebop thing that Netflix is doing. He's got uh the is it John Cho, the dude from it's uh Kumar, Kumar. Su- 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 Sulo in uh in Star Trek movies. No, that's Harold from Harold and Kumar. Yeah, he is on Star Trek too. But it's Harold from Harold and Kumar is <laughs> is Spike. <laughs> yeah, hey, he he's a good actor, man. I can see he that. Is. He is. I'm talking noise. He yeah. is good. But yeah, so there's that. Um, I'm also watching this show called the uh, well, it's called The Irregular of Magic High School. <laughs> it's kind of a long title, but it's a really really good show. So. If you're looking for some anime to watch, that those are my recommendations. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you guys for joining us. We shall see you next time. Go south. Very, very quick. Expedition. 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 Go south. Very, very quick. Go south. I can't, I can't beat that. <laughs> I just smells burnt and dusty. Hey guys, don't miss an episode of the Techpedition podcast. For more information, go to techpedition.com slash subscribe. T-E-C-H-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N dot com.